around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Branica. I'm Ben Harrison. I would say with us as always, and it would be true if I were to say that, Mm -hmm. because he's always there. He's always around this show as its beloved producer. But we've unzipped the mask today. Yeah, today we've... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining Rob has like the, the, the zipper mask around his head, but then a larger zipper mask that encloses the microphone. <laughs> That's why you're getting no room sound at all on yeah. Rob's channel. It's super clean. Squeaky. It's Rob Schulte. Oh, yeah. It's hard to fit this microphone in all the right places, gentlemen, but today it is there and it's making this episode sound great. Thank you. Oh, Rob, don't make it gross. God, Rob, really? What the fuck? I'm so sorry. Ugh. Can we start over or should we just keep going? I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> Remind me not to share any gear with Rob. Hey, <laughs> ever. You guys are the ones with your heads in the gutter, okay? I'm just talking about mic placement. Rob doesn't have mic foam, he has mic leather. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you guys know how there's always a super noisy bus right by my window whenever we're recording? I do. Yeah. For the first time ever, a bus is right outside the window going by. Can you hear it? No. No. Because it's an electric bus. They replaced the bus. Woo. Wow. I've been keeping my fingers crossed that this would happen at some point, and it finally has. I thought you were going to say the bus driver was like holding up a note at you through the window. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing that thing where he like points at his eyes and points at me with the two fingers. I mean, it's a terrifying situation because now we have perfectly silent ninja buses going around my neighborhood. They could sneak (laughs) up on you at any time. Wow. Sounds scary. I thought for a moment that you were going to say the bus driver wanted to trade places with you and you'd have taken him up on that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do fantasize about leaving it all behind. Uh, there's only one bus driver on The Greatest Discovery. It's it's Rob Schulte making all the stops. Beep, beep. It's really fun to watch him edit a show because he's got that big wheel that's like almost almost parallel to the ground and he's like yeah. underhand steering, you know? He has a giant jog shuttle <laughs> just in his lap. It's why they call me a wildcat, guys. Uh, this is an exciting episode today. We get to bring on some of the best cues that have been Mm. provided by some of the best audience members. Yeah. Cues as in questions. Yes, questions. I say that because they left five-star rating and reviews, and that's how I've sifted through to find some of these questions. You really have to do a lot of sifting to find the (laughs) five-star reviews these days. (laughs) I, I don't envy that task, Robs. I also pulled a few from other social areas, but I'll pepper those in. I'm looking forward to the 4chan questions being at the end. (laughs) (laughs) This one is from Anon, and he writes, 
This first question is from Driver 69 <laughs> Not a question and more of a comment. Ben, I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> what, do, what do you say we, uh, we field a couple of these cues? Yeah, let's get into it. This first cue comes from Wobbles. Since you've reviewed one fan fiction episode... Would you consider reviewing an episode of The Star Trek Continues? And I'm going to elaborate and ask you guys if you are aware of The Star Trek Continues. It's called The Star Trek Continues? That's how it was written in the review. I have never heard of this. What is it? (laughs) Apparently, it is a hugely popular uh, fan fiction YouTube series. I was thumbing around through it. It seems like they put a lot of work into this thing. Is this the one that like Walter Koenig is in? Oh, I don't know. I I clicked on something with him the other day and I was like, what is this thing that is called Star Trek, but doesn't appear to be affiliated with the people that own Star Trek? Wow. I, I clicked on an episode and I'm scrubbing through it and... I think you'd be impressed, Ben, by the lighting. Like it looks like original series Star Trek in in a very interesting way and mostly due to its lighting and costuming. It looks like they really got it right. Huh. With how it looks. I'm not listening to any of the dialogue. And is the YouTube version the one where they edit out all the fucking? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, someone's really upset in the YouTube comments about that, apparently. <laughs> oh my God, is that Dr. Star Trek? I think Larry Nemesek is in this. Hey. Wow, it is. Star Trek Renegades is the thing that I discovered. This is listed on IMDb as a, as a show. Like they have the episode guide and everything. Are we, are we just giving these people free press? What what kind of fucked up question is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you ever thought about doing an episode about my personal project? <laughs> this question is from John Continues. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said it's from Wobbles. Uh-huh. Uh, I, no, I haven't thought about reviewing an episode, but look, w- which is my camera? All right. There's my camera. We are desperate for content on The Greatest Discovery, (laughs) and I'm not willing to rule it out at this point. Wow. I'm willing to rule it out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, that's bringing back an episode veto, Ben. Yeah. You did it. It's done. I I just, you know, most Star Trek is bad enough, Mm. (laughs) you know. Yeah. The uh, the other thing that we're going to record today is an episode of Greatest Generation, and it was such it was so hard getting through the episode that I I can't even contemplate watching something made by non professionals. I I love that people enjoy making their thing as much as they do, but uh, I never set out to consume all of it, and I reserve the right not to. Well, and I think that like by the same token, the people that make that stuff reserve the right not to listen to our dumb podcast. You know. Like, yeah, it's reciprocal. <laughs> yeah. Here on question two, I would like to let you guys know that this does cross into the Friendly Fire universe, but it's Trek related. Okay. Among all of the Star Trek properties, who's your guy? Hmm. I'm going to go with Spot the Cat. 
So that's a friendly fire answer right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Way to put on that character's hat. <laughs> Benjamin R. Harrison from the hit podcast Friendly Fire steps to the mic, answers that question. Uh, what would be Adam Pranica, host of the hit podcast Friendly Fire's answer to this? Who is the Rickles of Star Trek is the question. Great question. Who like does the most dunking? Is it is Odo the Rickles of Star Trek? He's not really having fun when he dunks on people, though. That's just it. I feel like the capacity for fun is an essential quality of the Rickles. Yeah. Who's having the most fun? Bones McCoy has a lot of fun, and he he drags people. McCoy was going to be my first answer. But the, but the thing is, like we don't have the sample size of Dr. McCoy that, that gives me a lot of confidence in saying that, having only seen how many episodes of TOS on this show? Four? Four or five? God, it's hard to come up with a better answer than that. He's so far got to be in the running. I'd probably go with a salt vampire myself, Mm. but I haven't watched as much Trek as you guys. I follow along with you. You know this. Uh, We got another fun one coming up, okay? You ready for this? (laughs) Switching gears and making it fun. (laughs) Yeah, you know me. I like to put the not fun ones right at the top of the show. This is our our Star Trek tragedy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) From Zach Brager, who left a five-star rating and review. Thanks, Zach. If you were to be cast in an upcoming Star Trek episode, regardless of which series it was on, Hmm. would you want to be a good guy, a villain, or some kind of background insert? And would you rather be taken seriously or seen as the funny highlight of the app? Or something else entirely. They did put that. I think that our standing answer is that we want to be hallway extras that get blown out into space during a hull breach scene. And right. I think that that's probably like the highest level of acting that we could be called on to do safely. Yeah, we're not going to disappoint people in our abilities in a scene like that. But I think it'd be more fun to be a villain than a good guy, right? I don't know. I might take the other side of that. I think when I was growing up watching Star Trek, I always wanted to be on the crew. I always wanted to be on a mission. I wanted to be one of the good guys. You wanted to be the very best? That's the kid answer. That's the kid who wants to be an astronaut answer uh, before before decades and decades of disappointments <laughs> accumulate in a life's work and experiences. I feel like you would be a good Romulan, Adam. Really? Always a game of chess with you. That is true. I do try to bring that to every interaction. <laughs> I've been uh, doing a lot of home gymming lately, trying to really emphasize a V-shaped torso (laughs) so that even if I'm not wearing the bread box uniform, you'll know just from my outline where I'm from. What is the arm workout that gets you those shoulders? Uh, You're lifting a couple of loaves of bread uh, (laughs) up over your head. Doing those Arnold presses with a couple of loaves. (laughs) Shout out Jim Shimoda. I think I would be dope as a Klingon. Like I think I think if I got the loaf and the and the armor and if they gave me a few takes, I think that I could I think I could have a lot of fun as a villainous Klingon. If I'm casting an episode and I'm doing my research on you, I wanna put you in a position where you can do an impression and your Klingon is is great. I would I'd wanna use you for your strengths. And that's one of them. Ben, how tall are you also? I am six four. And I think that's another reason why you'd make a great 
TV Klingon especially. I think you would tower above most other actors in a really fun way. Yeah, they put me in some like platformy Klingon shoes with the with the big toe spike. They'd give you the John Tesh uniform. Yeah. Oh man. Let's go to Toronto and be in Discovery right now. Yeah. <laughs> They'll let you do it. You know, there's no problems there, guys. We know that a lot of people that work on Discovery listen to the program. Season four, you haven't started yet. I would fly right now. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. At, during quarantine, I would I would book a commercial <laughs> flight to Toronto in order to do this. This is what we're willing to do, Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah. We will book a flight to Toronto. We will self-isolate. We'll get our own Airbnb and self-isolate for two weeks. Yep. And we will come to set. And if you have to pay a scale or something because of because of rules, that's fine. We promise to donate 100% of what we are paid to charitable causes. We've always promised that. We just want to be loafed up and in the show. Here's the process. Like Ben says, we buy the ticket. We self-quarantine for two weeks in Toronto. We do the show. We come back, self-quarantine again. And then come home to our homes while all of our shit's been thrown away and, and the locks have been changed. It's a simple process, but we're willing to do it. We are willing to burn our marriages to the ground to be on the show. Think about the good press that that would garner. Yeah. I have to host the show while you guys get your life together for an entire year. Yeah, the tone of the show completely changes after that. All of our Marin Opens are pretty bleak for about a year. I think it'd be worth it. Erica asked, out of all of the alien cultures represented in Trek, which one best exemplifies the United States? And also... France. Vichy accent required for your response. <laughs> I mean, I think unfortunately the Ferengi probably are supposed to be us, right? My mind went to like currently I feel like we're Nausicaan. <laughs> Face mask human. <laughs> I think we are dumb and warlike at the moment. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to take exception. I think we're packlets. I think that okay. all we are doing is looking for things to make us go. In as sophisticated of terms as that, it's like our whole culture is just like, I don't know, just like what makes me feel good. That's a very eloquent way of putting what could be like a curb stompy comparison. Like, <laughs> I think you're making a lot of sense there, Ben. And then who is France? I feel like... Maybe Beta Z is France because they are such... Lovers of life, and they love that plant with the cum inside. <laughs> we make pastry out of the cum plant. <laughs> we laminate the cum. <laughs> it takes three days to perfectly laminate the cum plant pastry, <laughs> but it is so worth it in the end. <laughs> you allow it to rise, you add the cum. You fold, you add more cum, you fold again. You add the egg wash at the end, and, and then more cum. <laughs> egg wash cum, egg wash cum. Back and forth and back and forth until you have a perfect morsel. Pan au chocolat, no more. We have pan au cum. <laughs> What's French for cum? That's a French word that I don't know. Ben. I'm shocked by that. I feel like that's the that's one of the first words that you learn in any foreign language are the, all the dirty words, right? You get the Carlin set of any foreign language first. That's like, that's a rule. My middle school was not a fun school. 
and they didn't they didn't teach us the swears. Well, guys, Gussel has a question for you. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking up what the French word for cum is. It does not disappoint. It is sperme. <laughs> it's what you call a true cognate. Mm. Means what you think it means. More like cognate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob, go ahead and like unzip the back of your leather mask. You're telling me Rob is a back zip? When did this happen? I'm looking at his mask and it's covered in zippers. <laughs> uh -oh. We're almost to the halfway point in the show. I feel like he should get a little air. Yeah. So we make sure he, he makes it to the end. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Keep those eye zips closed though, Rob. <laughs> Do not open the eye zips. I really wish you guys wouldn't have gotten me the thriller jacket of leather masks, but mm. I will keep the eye zips closed uh, I'm running on faith that I'm still recording, and luckily I have all of these questions memorized. So, oh, good. Gussel left us a five-star rating and review. Thank you, Gussel. And they ask, who would you like to see get another bit part in New Trek? Ooh. I would love to see Vash come back in uh, season two of Picard. I think for like one episode, it'd be fun to have, have him run into her. I think my answer is related to yours, Ben, in that like the new Picard show is very serious, more serious than TNG, certainly. What would a serious show do with uh, someone like Q? Yeah. Who still exists. He's a thing. He's timeless. And if you're bringing back Guinan, come on, got to bring back Q. We got to find out what she was doing when she got into the fighting stance. That's right. I want to see what comes out of those fingers. <laughs> Unlimited power! <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's an older, wizened Q, you know? Mm. A, a more thoughtful brand of Q. Yeah. All of his bits are kind of depressing and sad. <laughs> I kind of feel like season one of Star Trek Colin Picard was them getting used to using the Benjamin Button software so that they could de-age Delancey to bring back Q. God, love that idea. Bring him back. I think it was always the plan. Yeah, I mean, what we weren't told is that, like, everything is about season two and John Delancey's character arc. <laughs> if we can just get past this pesky season one yeah, yeah. situation. How about this, though? I mean, we know Q is still alive. You know who else is probably still alive for the same reason is Kevin Uxbridge. I think we could combine two questions here. You could use the Benjamin Button software to make Adam look like Kevin Uxbridge, and he could do the impression on the show. I would wear the green suit with the ping pong balls on it. <laughs> I would not complain a bit. I'd eat out of a straw during all of my crafty breaks. <laughs> and then uh, and then as soon as my, it's my call time, I'm ready to work. <laughs> he's, he's, he's method. He's going to stay in character all day. Is there meat in that sandwich? <laughs> I'm actually not eating cheese at the moment. Do you have a uh, nice cup of tea by any chance? <laughs> I'm going to need a straw because I'm, I'm wearing the green suit. I know it seems weird to drink a hot tea through a straw, but hear me out. It reminds me of my lovely wife who passed away defending our planet from the hooshnack. You may have noticed that well, much of my green suit is very bright green. Some of it is 
dark green. <laughs> <laughs> and that is because I could not find the flaps to my green suit. <laughs> this dared had an accident. <laughs> I didn't just empty some of my bowels. <laughs> <laughs> The answer to every question is Kevin. Peter wants to know, if you were actually in Starfleet, which division would you go in for? And if you wouldn't choose to be part of Ooh. Starfleet, what would you do? Would you would you be a cook or what? I mean, the nice thing about living in a world where Starfleet exists is if, if you're not in Starfleet, your life is great. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I think that there's a line of thinking that I am starting to agree with more and more, which is that Starfleet is for the misfits, like the people that are too fucked up and psychologically broken to live in the Federation as normals. This is a great point, Ben, like in the way that military gives structure to people who really need structure. If you're given yeah. the, the gift of of a society where you want for nothing, that could really have a negative impact on a certain type of temperament. So I like to think that I wouldn't be in Starfleet just to flatter myself, but let's be honest, I probably would. Yeah. I don't think I would be on command track. I'd probably, God, I would suck at being in the military. So I'd probably like, I'd probably like want to be the guy that like cleans the tanks and cetacean studies or something like that. Yeah. You know, something something pretty low stress, just just a just something that's got to be done every couple of days. Here's Ben here to do the tanks. <laughs> I'm like saluting the dolphins in the in in there. And then I would spend the rest of the time hanging out in uh in 10 forward and uh you know, trying to strike up conversations with Guinan. So like what would your fingers do in a situation like that? <laughs> What's up with that office you have? Outside the bar. What do you do in there? <laughs> it seems like it is not really set up to like do the books of the bar. And and we know that the bar doesn't really have books because there's no money. And why does the chair lean f so far back? What are you doing in that chair? <laughs> I think, Ben, you've mentioned it a bunch of times, just how the show has ruined us for square work forever. Yeah. We can't work for other people. The only person I'm qualified to work for is Adam Pranica. And you and I are barely able to do that. <laughs> but I think going out like on a ship would be very attractive to me to whatever extent I could do that without having to answer to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> right. Would be nice. But there's something about command track that is like, boy, if I could just get through command track, then it'd be great. Then I'm making all the decisions. Yeah. That's where you want to be. Hey, here's a here's a follow-up question from me to you, like mm. that's that's related. If given command of a ship, uh, <laughs> how long would it take before uh, your ship is lost with you under its command? I think it would be pretty quick. I mean, we know that hapless captains uh, leaving space dock get into deep shit almost immediately right. based on years of evidence. So I think I would be... I would be stuck in a nexus or something without much delay. I would be bored of of doing like mapping, which is what so many of these ships go out and do. <laughs> like I'd want to yeah. go to where the action was and the action would be very bad for me. I don't want to just haul my butt back and forth between star yeah. bases. 
Robs, what uh, what division would you be in? You've seen Star Trek, right? I have, like a couple episodes. Um, I'd probably be... I think I'd probably just take the command track because it would just be like, you know what? I don't want any BS. I just want to be able to get there and do it because I can't do medical. Uh, medical would be cool now that you bring that up because you get to you get to be on the bridge when you want to be. You get to go on away missions when you're invited. Like you get to touch a lot of different departments in that job. I kind of like the variety of it. You could relieve the captain of command every so often. That'd be pretty fun. You get to take an ankylosaur out of one person and put that ankylosaur into another. (laughs) That does have its appeal. But you would also occasionally be in a cargo bay full of bodies and they'd all sit up while you weren't looking, you know? Well, I mean, there's also the day that you go to work where everyone disappears and your universe turns into a a ship-size amount of space. Sure. There's always the risk that um, you take on an affinity for the taste of urine. (laughs) That's a a risk in many professions, but mostly medical. (laughs) It's about access is what I mean. You could get trapped in a fucking spore universe, man. Yeah. Ben, I would like to just point out real quick that you said at the beginning of this question that, you know, a lot of like misfits and such joined Starfleet. I recently started watching a Bravo show called Below Deck, and everyone mm. who works on the ship is a misfit in every <laughs> single season. Like, it is, uh, it, it is wild to think that, like, something that has to do with ships and <laughs> invites people that are like, you know, I'm just looking to get away. <laughs> It's that like frontier town effect where it's like people here are running from something. Yeah. The the USS Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> John has a pretty fun question for you guys. Is there any chance that John and all other fans could see a greatest Gen Con 2 Star Trek 3 via some sort of live platform? This has been an argument that Ben and I have been having for the past few months, and I think we're on opposite sides of it. I don't think it's an argument. I think that we've entertained the idea a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, our uh, friends at the Flophouse did kind of like what they normally do for a live show, but on a stream. And I thought it went pretty well, and it was pretty fun to watch. And they did it uh, as a charitable thing to like raise money for... Black Lives Matter and and food banks and stuff. And I I think it was very successful by that metric. And I think like creatively it was successful, but it took a lot of production. Like they had like animations and like stuff that played in between things. Uh, The tech stuff is the stuff that we're best at on live shows too. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) That is the thing that really gave me pause is like, I think it'd be worth learning how to do, but uh, I would be a little bit intimidated to do to like try and get like thousands of people watching us to uh, <laughs> to be disappointed, you know. I think that is where my concern creeps in, which is uh, this is not something that plays to our strengths, and more generally than that, uh, I love doing live shows with you, Ben, for the laughs, and I have consumed a fair amount of stand-up and comedy since the quarantine happened. And there is something that even the funniest people can't overcome, and that is the silence of it. The idea of doing a show that I know is really good and funny with you to, like, no feedback. 
<laughs> to just to just do it to uh, direct to camera. I don't want that to be the last memory I have of a great touring show. I want to put that tour to bed the way it was meant to be done, which is like doing the last three or four rooms that we wanted to do with that tour whenever we're allowed to do it again, and then continue on. Like I, it would break my heart to try to force a show that we know is really solid and funny into a box that that would make it less than that. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Like I I want to do things for people who want to see the show and experience us a little more. Like we've talked a bunch about different ways to do that, but I don't know if the touring show is the right fit for that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe there's something else we can do. It's tough because like there were five cities that were still unannounced as places we were booked to visit, but ha- like the ticket sales hadn't gone up before the lockdown. And they're all like cities that have been great to us in the past. And it feels it feels like a real shame not to have gotten to do that. But, you know, like honestly, like missing four or five live shows that <laughs> is like, if that's going to be like the most savage part of the quarantine for us, then like we are firmly winning, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like that wasn't to complain about our circumstances at all. It was, it was more like wanting to do the best show the best way we can. Yeah. I don't think we're going to know the answer for a while. As soon as it's the right thing to do, I know we'll be back out there because I mean, it's not just us going out there and trying to earn a buck. Like I care deeply about the venues that we've grown relationships with. And yeah, like, I want to go back to those places that I like a lot. And I hope that we are a part of their story in, in their comeback. It would be really awful to think that, that the places that we love to be would go away because of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so tough on everybody that works on the, on the venue side of the touring comedy business and I really hope that they still are there for us when the world is ready for it. Right. Couldn't agree more. Guys, you know, before I worked with you, I was a venue manager for like 10 years and yeah. I can't even imagine what my life would be like if I had, like, I, I wouldn't have a job. It's just not set up in that sort of way. And that is for thousands of people right now. Right. I, I'm very hopeful that we get to go back and just put on kick-ass shows and get this yeah. live stuff going again. For people that are uh, interested in helping make sure that there's still a ecosystem for live shows to tour uh, within in the future, I'd recommend checking out uh, NEVA, that's National Independent Venue Association. They're attempting to lobby Congress to bail out the local independent venues that have have been hit super hard by this all over the country. I am not a twit asks if hollow sweets were real, mm. what sport would you pick up? <laughs> Man, I mean kayaking seems like the most dangerous. Do you think hollow sweet fucking would make you better at fucking or would it just like destroy you? Oh, wow. Yeah, cuz you could program the hollow suite to do all the work right yeah i think that would be bad but isn't like the work part of it <laughs> in some ways oh yeah the work's a big part of it I like i like working up a sweat 
Yeah. I mean, I haven't tried it, but I imagine I would. <laughs> when that mask is zipped up tight, <laughs> things get pretty thick in there. Yeah. This is a fun question. Like when narrowed down to the idea of a sport. What sport would I like to be great at with the help of a hollow suite? This is the question. Yeah, and I would like to just put in there that it could be spring ball. Right. <laughs> it could be that sport where you're in a black void and you're trying to bullseye dots with your phaser. Right. That's a great game. It could be Worf's Batleth training program. Oh, yeah. Wow. That should be a sport. That should be like Jim Kata, sport of the future. <laughs> it's got gymnastics thrills and karate kills, if I'm not mistaken. Right. You know how much killing goes on in karate. <laughs> like you could sort of skip the practice of a thing and go straight to, for instance, like you could play a major league baseball game as a fielder right. in a real game on the hollow suite were you to program it in such a way. And like you wouldn't even need to be that good. You could tailor the game to your strengths and weaknesses. So You could set it to easy mode. Right. What about Parisi's squares? We never actually see what it looks like, but I was always curious. You get that cool blue unitard, the elbow pads. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that would be flattering on my body, but... I'd, I'd probably get really good at Anbo Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> we got another question here, and it's TOS related. Now, we've already established that we've only covered a handful of episodes on this program but they'd like to know how much your impression of tos has changed and why or not changed uh my impression of tos before watching a bunch of it was that it would be lame and dumb <laughs> and that it would feel like a waste of time not many pieces of media uh survive the years that tos was made and are good by any standards, but our experience in seeing TOS for the show, I think, has convinced me otherwise. I really love that show in a way I was not expecting, and I actually have an appetite for it in a way that is unexpected. It's definitely changed me. I kind of feel like I had seen enough TOS to know what we were getting into, but I didn't. Um, I, th I think that like the ones that we've seen recently were kind of upper upper echelon episodes, like some of the better episodes of the series. And and I think that that's, that like kind of stands to reason, like why did these aliens become the ones that became the ones that the whole franchise returned to over and over again? Because the first time they were in the show was pretty great. So I think that like it will be interesting when and if we dip our toe into kind of the other end of the pool <laughs> and watch some of the dog shit episodes. Yeah, we've been fortunate to to get the premium stuff, the uncut, like that powder. Yeah, the Bolivian shale of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get the stepped on stuff yeah. uh, before too long. We're going to have the, the baby laxative Star Trek. <laughs> if, uh, if, the, if the quarantine goes on much longer and they don't release season three of Disco... <laughs> Yeah, we're in a lot of trouble. We're going to be strung out on some nasty shit. A lot of cold medicine. <laughs> Guys, this is a question that uh, I'm actually interested to know about Greatest Gen. I know this is Greatest Discovery, but uh, they, people want to know how much of the episode ends up on the cutting room floor. And I can speak to Disco, and that's 
not much. You guys are on it. The rhythm is just there. So I would say maybe 10 minutes of a disco episode across the entire thing is edited out just for chair bumps or things of that nature. But usually you guys are pretty on point. Yeah, I mean, we all know that friendly fire, you usually have to cut several <laughs> dozens right. of minutes of John <laughs> ranting about the sun from Roseanne. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I've got a special folder for all of those rants. We'll put them out later. He keeps coming up with a different angle, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's always something different. We should release that as like its own podcast, maybe. Right. John won't sign the documents yet, so I'm waiting on that. Call it shouting into the void. Our audio edited out, and it's just John going on and on about the sun from Roseanne. <laughs> With the harmonica playing in the background. We're not talking about Johnny Galecki either. We're talking about the little kid, the, the little son. <laughs> yeah. Not, we're not talking about Darlene's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John loves Darlene's boyfriend. Always has been a huge fan. You cut out quite a bit, honestly, about that too. Most Roseanne content is cut out of Friendly Fire. I would say that with Greatest Gen, it can range from... You know, five minutes to 15 minutes, depending on the episode. Being a very highly edited show has made us kind of willing to take stabs at stuff and then drop it if it didn't work or rework it in the edit if it didn't work even. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I noticed when I like guest on other podcasts that aren't as heavily edited, I'm like, oh, like I don't really have skills oriented toward unedited podcasts unfortunately because <laughs> all of my shows i can i can like count on cutting something out if it sucked it's very exciting to guest on other shows where you know you're not going to get edited i will I say that <laughs> yeah i have some fear surrounding it tbh i'm with you ben i mean it takes it takes a full day to edit a greatest generation like eight hours yeah like i, w I would say is the average and the reason for that is not uh it's not because we're heavily editing each other, I don't think, as much as it is like harvesting clips and making drops from scratch and chasing down comedy that goes to a dead end and then realizing, well, I just burned an hour yeah. <laughs> seeing yeah. if something would work and now it clearly doesn't. So you're you're back to editing the show again. And there are like, I feel like I've gone through four or five different techniques for editing the show that were all aimed toward the idea of doing it faster, but I, it always seems to take the same amount of time. I always really give it a lot of effort. It's so funny because like when we started the show, one thing I said to you was like, let's try and do a show that doesn't take much editing. And yep. immediately we like with that first episode of Greatest Generation, we realized like, no, we want to edit this and do like drops and stuff. Like, there, like, I think the first episode of Greatest Gen has very little audio edited in, but it has, like, you know, music breaks and stuff, and that stuff just made the case for itself. We liked, we liked the show as it, uh, as it developed more and more of its own sound, and then when we started Greatest Discovery, we were like, we definitely want to have it sound like Greatest Gen, but we do not have enough spare cycles to do that ourselves, which is why Rob's exists. I know initially I was less confident in my ability to be a funny co-host without the the bumper bowling bumpers of sound effects <laughs> and drops and shit. And I think the show has really changed 
over the years in how those are used. Like, I feel like before, at least personally, I was editing for comedy using those tools in a different way than than I think I edit the show now, which is uh, to emphasize instead of be the comedy, you know, like taking lines of dialogue that emphasize a point that we're making instead of isolating a line of dialogue that's funny on its own. I feel like that's been an evolution in the show a little bit over the last year or two. I don't know. I feel like the show's getting better as we go and as we, I, I feel like we, we still are learning how to do it because the shows that we're watching are changing over the years. Like Deep Space Nine got very serious. How do you make comedy about it? I think we <laughs> had to change in order to do it. Yeah. To make it more related to to Star Trek Discovery, though, and Star Trek Picard, I think the same goes, even even doubly so, maybe. Like the seriousness with which Deep Space Nine saw itself when we were trying to like force greatest gen sensibilities upon it like i definitely feel like there were some growing pains when we first started doing discovery because we did not have the safety of having seen a thing over and over again over the years and having to come up really what felt like on the spot with with bits and observations not knowing where those roads would lead we did get a handful of repeated questions and I would like to just let people know that if you'd like to know how you guys met, um, any other like types of loaf you guys have been <laughs> happy to find on the show, um, alien types, that sort of thing. They are in the back catalog. They're either told within a story on a specific episode or right. they've been answered in previous Q&As. So sometimes the fun, I think, is discovering it while you're discovering new episodes of the pod. That's why the show is called The Greatest Discovery. Hmm. Doesn't have anything to do with the show that we started it to review. Uh, fun last one here, guys. We had a question about fanfic earlier, but this is by Flowery Insults. They'd like to know... <laughs> what your Star Trek fanfic would be about. And remember, it doesn't have to be sexual. Well, what? What do you mean it doesn't have to be sexual? I reject the question. <laughs> then it has to be sexual. Okay, there you go. You know, I'm sitting here with a with a, a zine in front of me that is a bodice rippery story <laughs> about Data and Yar getting down. It is hard for my mind to go elsewhere just looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Adam? What's an erotic tale told within the Star Trek universe? I think we have alluded to this before when talking about Odo, but like the sexual possibilities of a changeling feel like like they go fairly unmined at this point. And I know we have a little over a season left of DS9, but uh, there's there's more there than the show is giving us. A lot more. Yeah. As much as you could take is how much Odo has to give. <laughs> and I, I think I would like to know more about how that would work. If you could look like anything in any proportion, it's almost related to the Holosuite question and, and being good at a sport. Like, does your interest in intimacy uh, diminish because you could be anything to anyone? Yeah. By hardly trying? I wonder. How about a little sexy short story about uh, Lieutenant Dax and Captain Baudet? He'll keep the lights on for her. 
<laughs> yeah, he has to, to show off his cool transparent skull. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we might have even more questions in the P1 box, Ben. Do you want to see if we have anything over there? Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's see if we have any Priority One messages on the episode today. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben and Rob, our first Priority One message is from Darren. It is to Ben and Adam. So, Rob. Close your ears. Not for you. Darren, I'll remember this. <laughs> Zip your ear zippers, Rob. <laughs> <for this one. laughs> message goes like this. Guys, I'm a longtime listener of the entire Uxbridge, Shimoda, Industrial Complex, and I thought it was finally time to give back. The Shimoda Awards finally put me over the edge. <laughs> yes. Thank you for making me laugh, even if I'm slightly embarrassed to tell people what podcasts I listen to. Well, Darren, this is uh, I'm glad your P1 hit on an episode that, that Rob sat in on because uh, that was a heavy, heavy edited episode. And, uh, and Rob's is the reason why that I think it's so, so funny. Yeah, the Shimoda Awards was an idea that we had and then sprung on Rob, I think, after we'd recorded it. Like, hey, yeah. uh, kind of a major edit this week. Enjoy! <laughs> and uh, he really went above and beyond on that. It's easy when it's fun, you know? If it would have been like, hey, we just decided to talk for four hours straight. Uh, <laughs> can we get that in like six hours you know that would have been something but this is like being able to change it up add a little sound design that's awesome yeah i love that app i think it's great that was a really fun one to do and even more fun to hear hear the completed version when it came back to us ben a related question to that episode is how do you feel about doing award show at, for instance after Deep Space Nine is over I think that's canonical right like we did a uh, we did a wrap up at the end of TNG on Greatest Gen yeah let's let's bring that concept back yeah I, I like putting it in, in an award show format that, that was super fun uh, our second priority one message on the show today is from Teresa and it is also to Ben and Adam hmm. so keep those zippers zipped Rob's Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes like this. Thanks for a delightful show. Going through the backlog of TNG episodes is a great diversion. One serious and one silly question. It's like Teresa knew that this was going to be a Q&A episode. First question, have you considered re-reviewing some of the data-focused episodes in light of Picard? Teresa, I'm so grateful for a... <laughs> A greatest discovery concept we can use. <laughs> yeah, we could totally like uh, like survey the data centric episodes of TNG for a future ep of greatest discovery, couldn't we? I'd be into that. Yeah, I honestly haven't watched an episode of TNG since we reviewed it for Greatest Gen, so it'd be fun to go back. Same. Uh, and uh, Teresa's second question: Do you think the events of Picard season one, episode seven, are before or after? Troy's betazoid menopause quadrupling or more of sex drive. Oh, shit. So this is the episode where they're on... Um, Nepenthe. Nepenthe, right, that, uh, that Pizza Chef Riker and Troy have retired to. You know, the, the part that affected me so deeply about that episode was when, when Troy embraced Picard... But in the context of the question, <laughs> I'm wondering if that lingering embrace meant something more. Yeah. Does it? Do you think it's diminished by her only being half Betazoid? Oh, interesting. Because, like, Spock is only half human, but he pon fars just as hard as anyone, right? 
You know, you and I talk about this <laughs> related to like uh, sometimes I'll, I'll cut a jazz gummy in half, and I'll be like, I'll be like, God damn, this jazz gummy is way stronger than I was expecting, and and you hipped me to the idea that well maybe you know all of the jazz got like ran over to one side of the gummy. You can't be sure that you're getting equal halves. How I relate that to this question is like, did Troy get the horny half <laughs> or the not horny half of the split? Based on the way she eats a bowl of chocolate, I think we all know the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we get big bowls of chocolate every week on The Greatest Discovery. Uh, you can <laughs> you can pass a bowl of chocolate our way by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where uh, personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, both of which go a long, long way in supporting The Greatest Discovery. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? 
Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, no Edward Larkins on this episode uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, one thing I wanted to bring up since Greatest Discovery is a show that is a little bit more timely than Greatest Gen. And, you know, we're recording this just a few days before it comes out. Uh, as of this recording, we're up over $60,000 raised on our uh, on our fund that we put together, the Friends of DeSoto for Justice Fund. Oh, wow. And awesome. uh, I am super, super proud of the of the Friends of DeSoto for coming out in such a big way to do that. Um, it's It's been really cool because a lot of other Star Trek podcasts and websites and like the Star Trek Reddit had banded together to do this uh, hashtag Trekkies together thing. And when uh, we were getting ready to launch the Friends of DeSoto for Justice, they were launching that. And then they reached out to us and were like, hey, this is great what you're doing. And we thought it was great what they were doing. So we've been using that hashtag. And now uh, Star Trek itself, CBS All Access, has been uh, raising money for Black Lives Matter. And I just think it's uh, it's amazing to be a part of a community like the Star Trek community. Uh, because of uh, stuff like this, I think you know it's it's not enough, and like we all need to do more to, uh, you know, be anti-racist and fight uh, these systems. Um, you know, donating is only one part of that, but uh, if you'd like to support the fund as a first step, uh, we made a little a short link, and it's bit.ly/greateststrek, all one word. That's all well said, Ben. I think what I've been hearing from a number of viewers is that uh, they weren't sure what to do first or where to target their donations. And they were, uh, several of them have expressed some gratitude about, you know, having some direction to that end. And I know you and I talked quite a bit about how to construct such a fund and, and where to allocate these resources, should we be lucky enough to to get any kind of support behind us on this? And and I'm really grateful that we have. Yeah. And uh, if you're out there and and you and you haven't done anything for whatever reason, like Ben says, like this is where you can start. You can start that journey here, and I hope that you do. Uh, you're going to be joining a lot of other friends of Desoto by doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, the fund supports like dozens of organizations including Black Lives Matter Action Fund and the ACLU and a bunch of bail funds and stuff. Um one thing I've heard from people is that like they felt strange making a small contribution because it you know, it gets subdivided so much, but um part of what's cool about this is that, you know, it's a strength in numbers play and like almost 600 people have have 
participated so far and that is great but like i think if another 600 people participated just by making a five or ten dollar donation it would make a huge difference and you know just because it adds up so quickly also just to to our listeners credit like i haven't heard a single shitty comment about it so like (laughs) whatever we did to scare off the racist pieces of shit earlier uh (laughs) i'm glad that happened All right. Well, I think that probably just about does it for this episode of The Greatest Discovery. Yeah, it sounds like we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a a data deep dive, perhaps. (laughs) That's a deep dive I'm I'm really looking forward to. We'll have to to collaborate offline about like what what the handful of episodes we're going to focus on are going to be. But, um, you know, keep an eye on our our new Twitter account at Greatest Trek uh, for that list, I suppose. And... uh, We'll uh, we'll be back with you shortly. Thanks for joining us, Robs. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure having you on. Robs, do you want to promote uh, your TV show show or anything like that? Yeah, I really appreciate you asking that. You know, once a year, uh, I do 10 episodes of a podcast called The TV Show Show with my friend Brittany High. Um, we bring on guests. One this year was you, Ben. Yes, you chose an episode of Third Rock from the Sun where they go to a sci-fi convention. It's a blast. I really have a whole lot of fun doing it, and I hope that uh, the listeners of this show go and check it out because it's a similar format. You know, we we have the guest choose any episode of TV, and then we go through <laughs> it scene by scene. It was really fun to do. Uh, it was also especially fun to do an episode of a sitcom. Because uh-huh. it was like, oh, cool, I can prepare in 22 minutes. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. Well, yeah, thanks again, guys. And I hope people go and check that out and keep coming back. And uh, how about I read some credits? All right. Read those credits. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. Please support the production of this podcast by heading to MaximumFun.org join or by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To keep up on everything Greatest Discovery and Greatest Gen related, make sure to follow the Twitter account Greatest Trek. Thanks. We'll see you on the next episode. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.